This is Come On You Reds. And I have no idea why I said it that way. Gareth Wheeler alongside Mr. Terry Dunfield. This is episode 104 of this podcast. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for subscribing. Like us on iTunes. And if you're listening to us on TSN 1050, then thank you very much as well. Plenty, and I mean plenty to get into. Two games to recap, to review, to dive deep into. Uh, more awards, more accolades coming Toronto SC's way as well. And we'll look ahead to this weekend's trip to New England to take on the revolution. Terry, what's up, buddy? I just saw you two minutes ago. You've done your hair since. Looking sharp as usual. Thanks. I, I wanted to come in fresh. Feel. I wanted to come in fresh, feeling good. Look, there's no point feeling sorry for ourselves after the game last night. I think you need to come into the training ground. Not only the staff and the players, the co first team coaching staff, but everybody involved with the club. And, and look, it's not doom and gloom. The team's top of the league, absolutely flying. And uh, let's get into last night. So you're telling me you had a shower, you washed off all those negative thoughts, all the bad memories. 100%. Starting fresh. 100%. And, and you know what? Credit to the coaching staff all season. They haven't gotten too high when the team's absolutely been dominated. And I think at this stage now, you really see when you've had an off night, the true colors of, of uh, people involved with the club. And, and everyone has to be positive right now. Uh, let's just tear off the Band-Aid, get it over with right away. Before we look back at the 4 nothing demolition job of the Los Angeles Galaxy, Last night, we're recording this podcast Thursday morning. The team is training uh, as we speak. Uh, Toronto FC fall to the Montreal Impact, their rival, 5-3 at BMO Field. A night the best way put, Terry, characterized by uncharacteristic mistakes throughout the match, which really put Toronto FC in a hole that was too deep to climb out of. Very much so. Individual errors. And I think you've got to give, as, t as difficult as it is to say, the Montreal Impact some credit as well. What opportunities they were given, they, they were ruthless and really punished TFC. Yeah. Um, it was a beautiful night. Every, like I had a really good feeling going into Wednesday. I mean, how couldn't you? The team had won six games in a row, unbeaten in 11, they're scoring goals for fun, clean sheets in three of their last four games. Then all of a sudden, just over an hour before kickoff, the news came down that Victor Vasquez would not start, still feeling a little bit under the weather. And that meant that no Vasquez, no Javinko, no Altador in the starting 11. I'll be honest, I had a bad feeling in my stomach about the game going into it. I, I thought it, it was almost like the perfect storm a little bit. Montreal, there was... Tur turmoil not only on the pitch but off it. They hadn't won in four. There was speculation the manager could lose his job if, if the club didn't win. Piatti was calling out Biello. Uh, for, and for TFC, at the start of the week, there was talk about Altidore Javinko being in contention. That morning on TSN radio, President Bill Manning yesterday came out and said they won't be playing and, and they're going to be just rested. Not rested. They're, they're going to be wrapped in cotton wool a little bit, protected, until they are 100%. Vasquez, he just before the, the lineups announced, he he's still struggling. He's picked up a bug in L.A. Uh, so there was... There was a few things where I was just I was a little bit wary, and, and form goes out the window a little bit too when when TFC always play the Montreal Impact. Also, as well, you can't forget that it's a long, long trip coming from the West Coast as well. It is. Th th there's lots of reasons, and you're right. Sometimes your form does go out the window when you play a rivalry match, especially against a de desperate side. 
Although I liked how the impact brought in Marco Donadell into the team, he always plays well against Toronto FC. When I looked and saw that they were going to play the three or five at the back, I was like, good, because the Galaxy tried to do that, and they got rinsed by Toronto FC just a few days back. But it seemed to work for the Montreal Impact. They got stuck in. They were balanced. They, they limited the wide play of Toronto FC in the early stages. Then from there, Terry, the mistake started, and they were absolutely punished by the Impact. Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that Donadell came in, and, and he came in with a real point Even to prove. Even for Bernier, that didn't surprise you. No, I, th I think Bernier played uh, previously when they lost to Minnesota on the weekend at 37-38 at to ask him to play consecutive games in three or four days is difficult. Uh, but yeah, I thought Donadell came in with a real point to prove. He, he's been struggling for minutes with Piet. Uh, coming into the side who, who's been good. And Pierre was very good last yeah, night, both, by both the way. Both of them were good. And, and, and I knew, and we said it in our pregame show uh, leading up to the game on, on TSN 1050, that that first goal or the first 50 minutes were going to be so important because I thought if TFC scored an early goal, they were going to steamroll the Montreal impact. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's that blame culture in Montreal and, 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 and TFC carry on that momentum of, of six straight wins. But if TFC do concede first, all of a sudden it galvanizes the Montreal impact and the way TFC conceded as well, such a horrible goal. And what happened? Toronto FC ends up conceding first. But even before the goal was scored or given up by Toronto FC, just the team didn't seem like they were on the same page. Like short passes were missed. We kept on commenting on that, that balls which were typically tidy, which were easy to make, everything seemed to be a struggle from the outset. Yeah, I don't think the balance was quite right in the middle of the park. Uh, TFC went to almost like a box in midfield with Cooper Azorio up ahead. At times they were a little bit high, at times they were a little bit deep, clogging passing lanes, and Marky Delgado and Michael Bradley just in behind them. And I like I Delgado I up higher, to, 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 to tell you the truth. He played kind of more alongside Bradley. Yeah, so I, I don't think the balance was quite right in the, and, and the, the distances. And so, so the angles weren't quite right for TFC to play out of the back, and there were some uncharacteristic mistakes, but you, you can't fathom as a coach for the goal that TFC conceded. It, it was awful, really, and it was two mistakes that were really compounded. Ball played into the box. Eric Zavaleta can't clear, kind of spilled it towards his goalkeeper. And instead of Alex Bono just playing it straight out, just concede a throw in, concede a corner kick, tried to play it up field winning. That Zio Piatti was just, a, was just a few yards in front of him. He jumped up and at first glance, it looked like he scored off his rear end. Oh, we'll give him a high leg. But I, think we call, I think we called it off his butt yeah, <laughs> in, I, in the call. Yeah, I think that you then you called Kamara a wiener a little bit later on in the <laughs> he broadcast. He is such a wiener. <laughs> no he drives kidding. me nuts. But Piatti had no idea. He just jumped up. It's one of those where it's just like, please don't hit me in the groin or in the face. And hits him in the back of the leg. It goes into the back of the net. Both Zavaleta and Bono, in fairness, could have done better. Yeah, I've rewatched it this morning. And I, I thought we were a little bit harsh, possibly, on Zavaleta. He's, the ball comes into the box. It's a difficult ball to deal with. I think Danny Lovitz, the ex-Red, crosses it in. And you think Zavaleta's just going to hook it away. Instead, he, he doesn't actually panic. He, he lets it hit him. Takes a touch, and it's not the. It's actually a quite a good controlled back pass to Bono, and what Bono has to do is he takes a risk. He tries to keep the ball in play, play it upfield rather than just putting it out for a throw in in row Z. And it's a half-hearted close 
pressure from Piatti. He doesn't really close him down. Like you said, he sort of jumps with his back to Bono. It goes off the top of his hamstrings into the back of the net. And it's a huge sigh from the crowd. It's like, oh, here we go. And all of a sudden, it gave the Montreal Impact a huge lift. No kidding. On that point about Zavaleta, it's one of those things when you're in and around the six-yard box and things are so tight, just play it safe. Just get it out. Like, you, you know what I mean? No need to try to play a cute back pass. I know it was coming in hot, and I'm not pinning all the blame on him. Of course I'm not. But it's one of those things, if you're Bono, if you're Zavaleta, if you're anyone else, just get it out of the 18. And Greg Vanny spoke about it at the start of the season. If you're going to make a mistake, make sure you don't make two mistakes in a row. Yep. And, and the fact that there was two mistakes in, in the penalty box in quick succession, they were really compounded. And, uh, you know, I think Bono would like that one back. As you said, he should have just put it out for a TFC throw. has not been behind very often, but there's still 80 minutes plus to play in the match. And you think of the way that TFC had been scoring goals for fun, that wasn't that big of a deal. But the real decisive blow, the sucker punch came just two minutes later. Zavaleta gives away the ball. The Montreal Impact did very well, putting high pressure on the ball. Piatti, Jamali, Jackson Amel all night long, putting pressure on the back three. And Michael Bradley. Uh, Zavaleta gives it up. The ball comes to Donadell in the middle. It wasn't as if it was like a powerful, gallivanting run through the middle of the park, just slow, methodical, bumbling a little bit. No one closed him down. And then he takes a shot from about 35 yards out, hits it as sweet as he ever has. He's only scored two goals in MLS before. Make that three in style, top corner. Bottle gets a hand to it, but can't keep it out. After 12 minutes, you're down 2-0. Yeah, all night the Montreal impact up. Uh, they only really pressed with their front three of Hamel, Jamali, and Piatti. The other players just sat back extremely deep. So if TFC could have played around and they had the bodies to play around those three and play out of the back, it should have been no problem, as they've done all season. Their passing and ball movement across the back has been excellent. Zavaleta gets caught on. Again, it's a half-hearted press from Piatti. Piatti turns it over in a good area. Simple square ball back into Donadell. One touch out of his feet. Bradley's probably what's going through his head. He's not going to shoot for him from here. Even if he does, it's probably going to go flying into Lake Ontario. Uh, Donadell catch it, catches it sweet. It's dipping. It's swerving. There's no spin on the ball. Flies into the top corner. I don't even think Bono's expecting it. He's not set. Just gets a fingertip to it. Again, possibly if you're being really harsh, you might like that one back as well. Here, here's what you need to do if you're being pre And I think that this is a good learning tool. Because the two wingbacks for Toronto FC, Betisher and Morrow, even in the early stages, I was looking, they were playing like alongside Tosse and Ricketts up front. Those two players are playing so high. If there are three or four players pressing that back line, those players need to check back. They need to give the they need to give the options on the outside. Especially the the weak side one. Yeah. So if, if the balls say on the right hand side of the pitch, Morrow needs to be tucking around, just giving Chris Mavinga a little bit of support, which allows Drew Moore, Zavaleta, and Mavinga just to shuffle over a little bit. And at times then, all of a sudden, now you've got your back four and that little you. bit of cover. But what happened, the Montreal Impact re allowed uh, assistant coach Chris Posniak of the USL just yeah. came what's and up, say, Pos? what's up, Pos? Uh, former teammate of mine, Canada U20. We played together. We won't talk about that tournament in Argentina, the yeah. World Cup. But anyway, just going back <laughs> to that, 
it's almost like the impact really invited the two wingbacks forward because Danny Lovitz and Kamara, the wide players for the impact, sat extremely deep. So there's acres of space for them to run into. But I, I agree with you, Wills. At times, the center halves, especially when TFC started with a back four, looked extremely isolated. It's just one of those things moving forward that those positions that Morrow, Betashore, Hasler, Edwards, they play, difficult positions, a lot of running. Oftentimes, you just need to come and check that run and just provide that extra option if teams are going to play Toronto FC that way. 100%, but, but you also have to say that TFC at 2-0 down all of a sudden are chasing the game a little bit and are, are, are playing probably more open and less structured than what Greg Vanny well, would want, want them to play. And, and then that's what happened in the 24th minute. Bradley got caught high up the pitch usually just sits on the back three. He's the quarterback from out there, but pushing things a little bit more. He was caught up inside the 18. Counterattack is on. It was a three-on-two. Betashur Mavinga kind of got back as well to kind of even out the numbers. And again, it wasn't that quick of a move, but Toronto FC was slow to respond. Piatti's down the left-hand side. He gets the ball from Jumali. Zavaleta slips, Betashur overplays. He has it on his right foot, back in the net, 3-0, 24 minutes. Yeah, that goal all comes from TFC have good pressure and sustained pressure in the Montreal's half. I think a couple of Montreal players run into one another. It might have been Betashur and Osorio at the edge of the box. All of a sudden, it's, it's, it's a typical Montreal impact goal in transition. They move the ball up the park quickly. Eventually, it comes to Piatti out wide on the left-hand side where he's so good. Just before that, he's taken Betashur and, and sorry, Zavaleta to the byline. So maybe that's in the back of the mind of Zavaleta. You can't let him inside on his right foot. Betashur, credit to him, he runs back 70 yards to try and help out. He doesn't set. He's not able to to jockey uh, Piatti. In the, in the end, he gets in the way of Zavaleta. Piatti comes inside too easily. And watching that goal again this morning, it's a really good finish. This. Normally, it's a bender into that top corner, but this has pace. It's almost like a strike into the top corner. Great finish for him. Gives Bono no chance. Yeah, he's on 17 goals. And that was the quietest I've heard BMO field all season long. Just in that moment. Because I think they were shocked. Like, this team has been on such a great run. Just to see that a powerhouse team. And I understand no Vasquez, no Altador, no Javinko. But for this TFC team to be down at home 3-0, a place they haven't lost all the season. To a team that's just lost four in absolute turmoil, your rivals. It, it, you know what? To me, it had a feeling of the first leg of the conference uh, MLS Cup. 2016 playoffs last year. Lions on the field, Olympic Stadium. Yeah, yeah, all of a sudden, this wasn't supposed to happen. TFC are down a couple of quick goals, and uh, fortunately, obviously, TFC were able to to turn it around, but that, that was the sort of feeling I had. And, and, and that's when, well, even before, at 2-0, Montreal was just like, okay, we're just going to sit back now. That back three turned into a back five really quick, and they just had one or two players up front buzzing around. Everyone else was just back defensively welcoming the pressure. So Greg Vanny decides to change his look after half an hour, Zavaleta taken off and uh, Ben Spencer brought on. I thought it provided a little bit more balance in the team, adding an extra striker up front, Terry, but it looks harsh on Zavaleta. I know that Vanny and Zavs had words on the sidelines um, and it wasn't Eric's best half an hour of football. But that being said, that change was made for tactical reasons, not because of his play, because Eric has been outstanding on the season. I think it was a combination. I, I, I think uh, Greg Vanny was just protecting Zavaleta a little bit. Uh, 
as a player, you, you want to put it right. You don't want to come off after 30 minutes. And, and uh, as you said, Zavala's form this year has been, been very good. He, and, and he's deserved to be a mainstay in a team that's absolutely crushing the league. I think he'll be part of the U.S. men's national team in January when Bruce Arena brings that younger camp in. I think he's that good, and he's had that good as a season. Uh, but it wasn't his night. It was tough. And, and Piatti, now all of a sudden, his tail was up. He had to skip to his step. And right. uh, I think Greg had to do something. And, and it's never nice to be that guy that's been sacrificed. I've been there uh, myself. And uh, I, I like how Greg tried to explain it to him rather than just taking him off, sitting him on the bench. Uh, but it's not nice. And, and as you said, Ben Spencer comes on. Well, the, I would have liked to have seen TFC at that point. If I'm brutally honest, go to a back three. Well, stick with a back three? Go back to a back three. Okay. Because they went to a back four, didn't they? At that time when they brought in Spencer. And when I they said it was more balanced. It was more balanced up front because Ricketts wasn't so isolated. Now, but Ricketts, don't get me wrong. One sec, we'll sort of interrupt. It's easy now to go and play when you're 3-0 down and you've got nothing to right. lose. And, and Montreal's really now sitting back. Right. I would have liked to have seen TFC go back to how they've been playing all year with Michael Bradley just sat in front of the well, back that was that was my thing. I said it was more balanced because you added that second striker. TFC is at their best when they're playing with... With two strikers. I know they won in LA, they won in Seattle with one up top, but the 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 three five two is in their DNA. And for me, I would have been tempted because he wasn't the only player that was struggling on the pitch. You take out a player from the midfield and you keep your back three. Because I think what we realized with the back four Toronto FC can be a little bit exposed when they go to the back four because those fullbacks, because those wingbacks play so high, and whether it was Michael or Markey being pulled out, Montreal was still finding joy, finding that pocket of space between the midfield and the two center backs. And then when you go from a three to a two, and it's just more in Mavinga chasing, it left them outnumbered at times and oftentimes left Toronto FC wide open. Yeah, and, and the two, Mavinga and Moore, were were gambling a little bit as well. They were stepping, trying to win balls that they probably never were going to win. And if it's nil-nil, they would have delayed and, and dropped back and allowed players to get back. And you've got to give credit to the front three of, of Jamali, Piatti, and Jackson Hamel. They were excellent on the night. TFC did find a goal before halftime. It came through Jonathan Azorio. Some nice work down on the touchline. It ends up being an own goal by Bulldor. Puts it into his own net in the 42nd minute, but it really gave Toronto FC a lifeline, didn't it? I know the team still wasn't happy coming off after 45 minutes, but you're like, okay, they got one goal back. They just need to come out in the second half. But it was some really nice footwork by Jonathan Azorio. I don't like to call out a fellow professional footballer, but I thought Boldor was there to be taken advantage of the night. He was. he was definitely a weak link. And if I was Toe St. Ricketts, he did it in the last 20 minutes of the game. Just go play off of him. And uh, on the goal, I thought Jonathan Azorio was excellent. It looks like he's going to come inside. He's right on the byline, drops his shoulder, pings the ball across his six-yard box. Boldor's feet are all over the place. It goes into that. It's 3-1. Huge goal just before halftime. And you think, right, TFC have a lifeline now in, and in these wild Toronto FC Montreal impact games you're like anything can happen but unfortunately coming out after the break it didn't start well for Toronto FC and the struggle continued this is come on you Reds Wheeler and Dunfield with you so TFC down 3-1 through 45 minutes Terry you and I looked at each other and said there's still hope here but the second half just started all in the wrong way just two minutes in 
again, an uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic back pass by Stephen Banisher. Played in Anthony Jackson ML. Great finish, but he had like 20 yards between him and anyone else. Drew Moore did his best to get back, but this, that's not something that we see from Beta. Yeah, when you start both halves of games, especially the first five, ten minutes, you don't want to take any chances. You don't want to take any risks. And Beta, he cuts back, and I think he's had his head up. He's had a look, but he just doesn't execute. It's an awful back pass. Goes in behind Drew Moore, right into the path of Jackson Hamel. Jackson Hamel still has a lot to do, the young Canadian international. Great first touch to come across Drew Moore. Drew Moore can't, any contact, he brings him down. It's a penalty, and it's a clever finish with the outside of his foot. And at 4-1, for me, that was the absolute killer blow and it's too bad because I've been in changing rooms when you get a goal just before half times there's a two goal difference which is a really tricky scoreline because if TFC get another one it goes 3-2 it really is game on so you, you come up come out of the changing room you come out of the tunnel your chest is is pumped you're on the back of winning yeah. of being undefeated for 11 six straight wins you think right we're going to go out here and really take the game to the Montreal and then that will absolutely deflate I, the I like Jackson Amal he scored his second just a couple minutes it's later in the 51st. That's when Gabe was done. It was match set in point. But he's got eight or nine goals on the year. He's been coming off the bench. He's now put himself in the running to be a, a regular Canadian international. Playing a lot, like against Jamaica, I believe that he started ahead of Kyle Laren. And you can make the argument that he's full value for that as well. He's been impressive this year, too. Yeah, his, his goals per minute uh, with, the, with the Montreal Impact is, is it very impressive. Uh, not only did he take his goals extremely well, I thought his, his movement was clever. He was always playing on the last man's shoulder, which created space for Piatti and Jamali to get on the ball. And he also worked extremely hard off the ball to press uh, at sometimes four TFC defenders on his own up there. So it's 5-1. Uh, I thought the TFC then made a couple progressive changes. They went back to playing a 3-5-2, which they're a different team when they play that way. thought Hasler, I thought that Edwards both added something to the equation. And that's when the two goals came. And it looked like the more more of the Toronto FC that we've come to know in the last 15 minutes. Quick ball movement from east to west, west to east, across the field, quick movement into space, putting crosses into the box, and both times Toss St. Ricketts is the benefactor. For me, the biggest thing was the balance was there. All of a sudden, the players felt more comfortable, and players were, were playing positions that they've become accustomed to all season. The biggest move in the system for me was Michael Bradley. He went as a hold, holding midfielder on his own. He wasn't playing in a double pivot with Marky Delgado. That's where I think he's at his best. He's always that player that... He's your outlet to switch the point of attack, and that's what TFC did on both goals. They they moved the ball from one side of the pitch to the other, especially, sorry, the first goal where Raheem Edwards whips a great ball in for Toe St. Ricketts. It's a tough header, standing jump, and, and he guides it in off the crossbar. The other one and comes. it started from Hasler on the other side. Like, they switched the ball from right side to left side, opened up that space, changed the sight lines for the Montreal impact, and then there's Tosse Ricketts finding some space they, between two yeah, defenders. All of a sudden, they're shifting that, that really yes. compact back five and two holding midfielders of the impact, and all of a sudden, they were now unbalanced. It was a good ball out wide from Azorio to uh, Raheem Edwards. Raheem Edwards takes a touch, whips in a, a, a probably, I don't think he picks out Tosse Ricketts, just almost puts it in the mixer, and it's a wonderful header from a standing Still jump. a good ball on a night where lots of those balls over top were overcooked, or played too short. I thought it was very 
very well. For, for one of the first times all season, TFC just struggled to execute a, a, a little bit for me. And the second goal comes from the second phase of a corner kick. TFC pick up a second ball. Eventually, it comes back into the box. And, and Tosaint Ricketts guides it into the net. And at 5-3, you think, okay, just Here maybe we go. game on. And that, that second Tosaint Ricketts goal, four goals in two games, shout out to Toss. I mean... He didn't get a whole lot of service in the early stages, but when he did, he took advantage. He was working hard to the final whistle, so a shout-out to Ricketts. But that ball came on the second phase. It was really a poor quarter kick by uh, Armando Cooper. It hits Piet, the near post, man. Yeah, it, Piet cleared it, the first the, the man on the first post. But it was the second phase, and I give Cooper credit because he kept at it, found that pocket of space in behind the back line, and he provided the service on the goal. I think it was Oso that played yeah. the ball throw, through to him. But it was quick, and we've seen TFC do that on the second phase before this year. Yeah, again, it was Jonathan Azorio that, that plays the ball right into the path of Armando Cooper. doesn't even take a touch, and then this ball is whipped in into that channel of uncertainty in between the defenders and the goalkeeper. Really difficult to defend. You you could have driven a double-decker bus with the impact back four or back three at that time. They were all over the place. And it's a real cushioned header from Toe St. Ricketts. He uses the pace of the cross just to guide it into the corner. I liked how he changed his body to make that finish as well. It wasn't easy. And uh, A lot of players would try a crazy side foot or a kung fu right. shot. He just guides it in. And he's, he's got a wonderful leap. Uh, and he wins a lot of balls in the air. He's got no right in winning. This one, it's a different technique, as you said. He, he just positions his body, moves his feet extremely well. And it's almost a down. Danny Dicchio had her back across where the ball's come I, I know it's retrospect, and Greg Vanny said, well, it starts with me. I could have had a better game as well. But, and I tweeted this out at halftime, it just seemed like a game where Raheem Edwards could do a job. And Hasler as well. Like, no offense to Lovitz and Kamara, but they're not natural wingback, fullback players that play on the outside that can get up and down the wing. It's one of those games where you want to challenge those two guys. And Hasler and Edwards, I thought they were full value when they came on. And I think they should be in consideration for this weekend against New England. 100%. They've, they've, put, they've, they've uh, come on and, and made an impression. And as a sub, that's all you can do. Not only have they played well themselves, they've given the whole team a big, big lift. But having said that, you know, Morrow's form's been excellent. So's been beta shores. So there's a real competition right now out wide coming into the playoffs. And that's exactly what a manager will want is, is a headache making that decision. Funny enough, TFC had more chances. If Ben Spencer could have got one of those headers on target or on goal, just get it down, hit it down into the ground. I thought he should have been a penalty as well. Oh, when Evan Bush came out and they used VAR and I had a real problem with this. The fact that the goalkeeper came through, did he, like, he had no chance of getting to the ball, took out the player instead, yet they look at VAR and that's still not a penalty. How is that not a penalty? So, Social media have said it's not because the play's over. Spencer's already missed a header, but then there's that's why the contacts come. For me, it's a penalty. It's a good. It's a. It's a, it's a somewhat just a ball into the mixer from Michael Bradley. I wouldn't say it's a particularly great ball into the box. He just off his set piece, puts it in. Spencer beats Evan Bush out rushing to the ball. Evan Bush shouldn't come for it. He's at the penalty spot. Completely misses it. Ben Spencer beats him to it. And then he takes a punch to the side of the dome. For me, there's enough contact. It's been video reviewed. And if you're a striker, you a feel penalty. it coming, Terry. You do. And, and, and it's, it's almost like a challenge in the box. If you beat a defender to the ball, you know he's going to go to ground. There will be contact then. It's a penalty. Even if that ball goes out for a goal kick, if that defender slides through and takes you out, there's contact. It's a penalty. So they lose 5-3. I thought, oh, just, sorry, go 
going back. Yeah. Toast St. Ricketts had a chance for his hat trick as well. Oh, coming he, down the right-hand yeah, side. Nice little move. First time we actually saw Ben Spencer and Toast St. Ricketts play together. Nice ball laid off from Spencer into the path of Toast St. Ricketts. He just can't. He needed just a deft little touch over top of the keeper, puts it over. And as you said, Spencer had, I wouldn't say clear-cut opportunities, but a good couple of half chances on set Something pieces. else that was lost in this game because of the way it played out, TFC scored three goals again. That's now eight games of their last nine that they've scored three goals or more. So they're still scoring goals, Terry. And, and, and they could have had more. And that, that's what we're just saying. And this is the thing. A lot of people came out and said, well, no Vasquez, no Altador, no Javinka. Well, they still score goals. And teams will play you a different way without those three players. But still at the same time, it came down to individual mistakes. That's why TFC lost that game. And that's why if I'm Greg Banny and the coaching staff, they'll be frustrated about the way they, that things played out. They didn't get it tactically spot on. But at the end of the day, take away the individual errors, then the team was still in that game. 100%. And I think you're really worried if you're Greg Vanny, if the Montreal Impact broke TFC down five times and absolutely steamrolled them and destroyed them. I think two, maybe two, at least one of the goals was a good goal. The other four were preventable. And, and what I will say about the TFC goals is uh, to, we, we did, it was great, an hour-long phone-in show after the game. Shout out to our listeners, by brilliant. the way. Yeah, yeah. and it, what a great way. To, it was a proper phone-in show, as you said, Wheels, in, in one of your tweets. It, it, it was like being back in the UK for me. It was awesome. Part of going to Man City games afterwards is dissecting it and really analyzing it and listening to the show on the radio and listening to the fans call Knowledgeable support. Very too. much so, but Jonathan Azorio came under a little bit of criticism in the phone-in show, uh, as well as Armando Cooper and Ben Spencer, and I thought Jonathan Azorio had a good game, and if you look at all three goals, Jonathan Azorio played a big role. Yeah, it, and again, it, you got to look at the way that players are used and how they were played, and just everything was just a little bit off on the night. Look, I remember when the expansion Toronto Raptors beat like the 72-win Chicago Bulls team. Like, even the best team lose games that they shouldn't, and that will go down as one of them. It was a desperate Montreal team. I just asked Greg Banny a few moments ago about, like, moving on, whether you change your plans. He's like, look, you don't you know, throw everything out the window just because of one bad game. So I look at the team to just press on, forget about it. Vasquez is healthy. He's going to be back against New England. I know you need to play on the turf, but you just bury that. Forget about it. There's nothing to even be gained from it the way that I sit. It's just this team learns through winning, and that's how they're going to improve, by continuing to win, not by losing games like that. For me, I've got a saying, and not to go all philosophical on you here, it's almost like, have bad moments, but not a bad day. And, and, I, and that's what I think it was. Yeah. Uh, so they lose to the Montreal Impact. Still an 11-point cushion on the rest of the Eastern Conference and the rest of MLS. And a lot of that had to do, and it seems like ages ago now, a convincing, a demolition job done at StubHub Center against the Los Angeles Galaxy. Gareth Wheeler, Terry Dunfield with you at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. This is Come On You Reds, the Toronto FC podcast. It seems like ages ago now. It was a 10.30 late kickoff last it's Saturday. It's only four days ago. It seems crazy. Really if you're does. listening to this on the Saturday, it's a whole week. But you get the point here. Toronto FC went out to take on the Los Angeles Galaxy, a place they've only won once before without Javinko, without Altidore, and came away with a 4 nothing victory. And it could have been 7 or 8. 
It, it really could have been. Talk about getting uh, your tactics and everything spot on. Also, as you said, without Javinko and Altidore, I thought the team, it was men against boys. And I thought the LA Galaxy were, were all over the place. But you can only beat what's in front of you. And on the day, uh, uh, TFC dominated them in every single facet of the game. Well, let's talk about the way that the game played out for Toronto FC because there were star performances all over the field. Victor Vasquez, though, was an absolute maestro, a goal and assist. He was part of the MLS Team of the Week, as was Michael Bradley just sitting in there, the com commandeering performance. And Greg Vanny was your manager of the week last year as well, as the accolades keep on pouring in for Toronto FC. But really, it was a near-complete performance from Toronto FC. Tosse Rickett scored two goals on the night. He could have had, like, five like, I, said, I said that to him in the kitchen the other day. Uh, it's like, Toss, you could have had four or five, brother. What's going on? And he's like, he just puts a two underneath his belt as he's notched two. Good finishes. Uh, I mean, the, the first goal came. In, That's uh, four it, goals in two games no for kidding. him, by the way. Yeah, for the third striker, the so-called third striker, a guy that can start in a lot of other places across this league. The, the first goal was the one that got everyone talking. Victor Vasquez takes the quick free kick. Plays it off the bar. Drew Moore there with the savvy diving header finish. Great word, savvy. And it really was. I think he gives the keeper the eyes. You think he's going to go to the other post, and then he just tucks it into the near post. Clever, clever play all around, not only from Victor Vasquez, but also from, from Drew Moore to just gamble and, and follow it in, and, and a real important goal, too. Yeah, no kidding. Everyone's they're trying to big it up or make it into, well, this is by design. It wasn't by design. It was just Vasquez just... Taking a quick free kick and Drew Moore being up for he's, when he's many a, others. As soon as Vasquez were. steps up to take a free kick, he's just a magician. You don't know what you're going to get. And I'm sure keepers are thinking that now. It, I think it was against Columbus. Uh, at home, where he puts it underneath the wall, uh, puts it underneath yeah. the wall when the he just expects it, gambles that the wall's going to jump, slots it underneath. So, so just blessed in riches over free and, kicks now. TFC and, and Zavaleta has, as you know, obviously a lot of talk coming out of Wednesday night. He was outstanding on Saturday as well. His challenge led to that free kick. Then he played a great ball to Nico Hasler that started the break for the second goal in the 37th minute. Hasler and Ricketts did the rest, tossed with the finish. But Zavaleta played that ball down the right-hand side to Hasler on the run. It was an acute angle because defenders were closing him down, but he just tucked it in so nicely. I love that ball that started that move by Eric. And this is what Hasler gives you. He gives you something different to the other wide players. He's very comfortable coming inside. He's got that little twist of the it's a little bit like Peter Beardsley, where he'll come inside, and the weight on his pass for Toe St. Ricketts, the timing of the run, it was impeccable, and it has to be for that to come off. Ricketts runs onto it. He's at his best when he doesn't think, and he tucks it away to make it 2-0. 2-0, and it was comfortable going into the half. The Los Angeles Galaxy didn't have a shot on target all match, and Toronto FC just kept on coming. I think TFC had eight shots on target. Yeah, the DeSantos brothers were all over the shop. There was no structure to the play. Are and, they and up here collecting a paycheck? Because they got run over by Atlanta United 4-0 on Wednesday night as yeah, well. I, I think for, for those players to flourish, you, you need a structure. You need a good team around you. They're almost star players. You're cherry on, on the cake type players. And at the moment, the Galaxy are all over the gaff. And, and Greg Vanny was quite clever. I, I think he would have said to the group, be patient. Keep shifting that ball with pace. It's a massive pitch. Eventually, pockets either in, in between the lines are going to open up 
or there's going to be space in behind for Toe St. Ricketts to run on. Va Vasquez was pulling the strings throughout the match. I thought he was incredible. But the third goal in the 76th minute came from high pressure again. Jason Hernandez had come on for Chris Mavinga. Long throw. He puts pressure. Quick turnover. Some one-touch football. Azorio to Vasquez. And I know that Vasquez loved the ball played by Azorio. Then played in Ricketts for his second goal of the game. And it was just such a quick move. That's when TFC's at their best. Creating quick loss of possession, turnovers, picking up the tempo, and just being ruthless in front of goal. I love that third goal they scored. Very much a, a Greg Vanny TFC goal. Yes. And, and that press doesn't happen by accident. Every single player is engaged. Everyone's involved. TFC turn it over. And a, a lot of teams will try to keep possession. Maybe you're 2-0 up. TFC are ruthless. They go right at the heart of the LA Galaxy defense. Great ball again by Vasquez. It, the details in his passing are, are so, so good. Leads Toe St. Ricketts perfectly. And I thought he would have maybe tried to, to lash at it. Maybe go to the near post. He just almost gives the keeper the eyes. Let's him... Out, outweights him almost and tucks it away. Yeah, and then the, the fourth goal came two minutes later. Alex Bono played it long. Forget the Galaxy defender. Just part e of my... My God, what was he doing? I, was it his debut? I think it was his first start. Anyways, completely makes a meal of it. And Victor Vasquez in all alone, easy as can be, 4-0. They were having a laugh on the day. Oh, it was awful. The worst part about the defending was was when he looked at his L.A. defender teammate beside him, and he was like, where are you for the cover, mate? After he's just cover. let the ball go in behind. And, and again, it's a, it's, it's a real clinical finish from, from Victor Vasquez. And to be fair, 4-0 probably even flattered the L.A. Galaxy. It was Chiani. Oh, it was just like an absolute hash job. Like, it's not good, though, when you're signing players in September when they're 32-33, out of contract. That says to me, panic buy, and uh, he's all over the place. So 4-0 for Toronto FC. That was the bright spot of the week, and another phenomenal road performance Toronto FC. Set a club record for away points, away wins on the season, yet another clean sheet. So we'll take that memory with us into Saturday's and, match and in also, New England. Also a very good... Uh, Almost 100,000 people watched on TV for a 10.30 uh, Eastern kickoff Not as well. bad. Good Not bad at all. Momentum is, build, is building, continuing to build. We'll take some of your tweets and questions, and we'll look ahead to the New England Revolution match on Saturday. This is Come On You Reds, Wheeler and Dunfield with you. My Twitter's been blowing up, Terry, at WheelerTSN, at Terry underscore Dunfield on Twitter. Plenty of people with questions, comments about this Toronto FC team. Uh, we'll take some and we'll look ahead to the New England Revolution match. Let's talk about the Revolution very quickly first. They get rid of their manager, Jay Heaps. Tommy Soen, the assistant coach, has now taken over the reins for the time being. This is a Revolution team that is 10-2-2 at home. Can't win away. We're embarrassed 7-0 at the hands of Atlanta United last week. I mean, Heaps have been at the club for 15 years. Well regarded. You probably know him a little bit as well. But did that move have to be made? And what does that mean for Toronto FC going to take on a team that just fired their manager? Uh... I think there's a little bit of unknown. What what will happen is there'll be a reaction in, in the changing room, and, and players now are playing for contracts in New England. It's not ideal. I think if you're Greg Vanny, you would have liked to see Jay Heap still be there. When there's change, there's a little bit of uncertainty, uh, so, so you don't know exactly what you're going to get. I worked with Tommy Sowen in Vancouver. He took over the Vancouver Whitecaps for yep. a little bit. He's a traditional 4-4-2 guy. Uh, 
very likes his midfielders to get up and down. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the group uh, of players he has. They've got a lot of playmakers, tricky players, clever players, players like Lee Wynn, uh, Fagundes, who, who like to sort of play little one-twos in and around the box, set up their attacks, whereas Tommy Sowen's a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more up and down. Uh, two strikers he likes to pay up, play up top. They've been playing with one. So th th that, that little bit of uncertainty and the motivation of playing for a new manager uh, and playing for your futures, I, I'd expect a reaction. Th to to me, they have enough talent in the team. Some of it's redundant, but they play at home almost better than anyone else in this league because they have the advantage of the turf. You're not only playing the team, you're playing against the conditions as well. Not many people in the crowd. It's a difficult place to go. Yeah, the, the gates have been getting better, but there's, say, fifteen to 20,000 people there. But in a 90,000-seater stadium, you feel like you're, you're watching or playing in a reserve game. Uh, I've got horrible memories there. The last time I played there, Danny Cooverman's never played again. He picked up an ACL. It'll be a tough game because I'm sure TFC are going to rest. Not rest, sorry, just give Javinko and Eltor a little bit more time. There's no point risking them there. But I will expect a, re a reaction from the TFC players after what happened uh, against Montreal. Altidore, don't rule him out. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Javinko will not be making the trip uh, to New England this weekend. Vasquez, he's good to go. He'll be back in the team as well. Sheru and Haglin, by the way, a little bit of an injury update. Both were training today. Both, I think it's realistic around the New York Red Bulls game next Saturday. Sheru looks more likely for that match. Haglin might be coming back after the international break, which is good news, more depth. Massive news. And and Haglin will give you give you a little bit a little bit more pace and athleticism at the back, though it'll be tough for him to break in. And I think Benoit Sheru just being around the group in the eighteen is so important in his experience. Just a couple quick questions. A lot of them have to do with Nico Hasler. Is he now a must in the starting eleven? Ravi asking that question, Terry. I'm not surprised that uh, and he's becoming fastly a, a fan favorite in the fact that he's all action. He's very athletic. He's comfortable on the ball. He's got the ability to go past players. Uh, he's, he's scored goals. He's set goals up. And I, I just think he, he gives you a little bit more up and down than what Betashore might give you. Just though he doesn't have that experience that, that Betashore has within the group, within this system. Uh, but, but definitely, it's a good problem to have. I, th I think at the moment, though, if the playoffs were to start this week, and you still go with beta. Devin asking, if you were Vanny, how would you have started or changed during the game against Montreal to avoid the 5-3 defeats? Very good question. And, and I think now that, that Greg's probably had a little bit of time to, to, to look over it, and I, he's, he's sat outside the room now where we're doing the podcast, so I better get this, this answer spot <laughs> on. Uh, I, I think he would, he'd go with just Michael Bradley sat in front of a back three. I, I think the double pivot didn't work, uh, or the box in midfield. And uh, I, I just think that there was just too many bodies, too many chefs in the kitchen in the middle of the park. Good stuff, buddy. We'll be back this week. A little bit of an abbreviated version. We got to run. It's a short week, a busy week. We'll get on a TFC player on next week's podcast. Let us know who you want to hear from at Wheeler TSN at Terry underscore Dunfield. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Maybe you can get Terry Dunfield wearing his old TFC kit next week. <laughs> I need to jump in off the che off the off the high Chesterfield drawer. We'll, we'll get photos. I want <laughs> a Toronto it. FC Dunfield they jersey. They need a pub fit though. The jerseys are so <laughs> snug. They're getting tighter and tighter on the all the time. Uh, on behalf of Terry Dunfield, I am Gary. Gareth Wheeler. Enjoy the match in New England this Saturday, 5 p.m. on TSN and TSN 1050. This has been episode 104 of Come On You Reds.